Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Julie, I have a question for you. So how do you articulate the value you bring when representing a buyer in a real estate transaction, especially considering all of the changes that are happening with regards to buyer agent compensation? That is the question Mm -hmm. that we've been reading and hearing from every corner of the real estate world, agents worrying about, wondering how they're ever going to explain to a buyer why they're worth you know, paying up to 3% or whatever the agreed upon commission is for the sake of them representing them on a buyer side transaction. And it gets especially confusing, Julie, when maybe it's a buyer that has purchased before, maybe several times before, and they know that always the commission was paid for or essentially covered as a cost of the transaction to the seller. And now it's not Mm -hmm. going to be the case. So Julie, how, how does an agent actually make it so that their value proposition is such that the buyer will easily, uh, well, maybe I shouldn't say easily. More easily. Willingly mm-hmm. and enthusiastically even yes. see the value in paying that uh, commission to the buyer's agent. Yes. Well, that is the question du jour. I'm so glad that you brought that up. So today we're going to answer that question. We're going to talk about not one, not two, not three, but top 10 reasons that buyers will work with you and how to answer that question You know what you do, but how do you explain it in such a way that a buyer understands your value, the required agency forms, and everything involved to make it to the closing table? Now, ultimately, every buyer prospect, every contract, every uh, negotiation is different, but your value should be consistent for all situations and clients. That should make it easier for you. How you conduct yourself and how you present to each buyer prospect should not vary by situation. So follow the same best practices for all prospects in all situations, and you should have nothing to worry about. Many of our coaching clients are already saying that because they've been doing this all along. In fact, you'll become known as a true professional and receive repeat and referral business as a result of doing the best job possible for your clients. Now, remember, today's notes, as always, are down below. So if you are on YouTube or if you're over on any of the millions of different podcast listing apps, just open up the show description or click the little thing that says more, and you're going to see all the notes. I mean, we, Julie, does a great job of preparing each of these podcasts, and she does it in such a way that uh, a lot of you will then lean back into reading these notes. And we know you're using them for your, you know, maybe training your teams or your brokerages or whatever, and that's great. That's the reason we're doing this and inf- providing this information for you. So scroll down and click um, so you can then see all of the notes. And when you're there, there's also a link to join Premier Coaching. Now, Premier Coaching is our Premier Coaching program. It's something that we have created, especially for this market. We're always updating it with, uh, you know, to reflect the new the nature of the new market. Premier Coaching is a monthly coaching. Well, it's a 12-month coaching program. But guess what? You have no obligation when you join now because you can join for free. So you can join Premier Coaching right now. And when you do so, you will be entitled to a daily semi-private coaching call with one of our Harris Certified Coaches. And you get full access to everything that's in the first level of Premier Coaching. So scroll down, click the link to join Premier Coaching. Or if you're just listening and you don't feel like scrolling, (laughs) just go to premiercoaching.com. There you are. Okay, so before we get to the top 10 reasons buyers will work with you, a quick side note, it is not enough to just have these conversation points or 
have these things come out in conversation. You will discuss all of these items and more, because we can't present it all on a podcast, using your buyer presentation, which you do receive in Premier Coaching. This will not only keep you compliant with agency forms and disclosures, but will also ensure your buyer clients see you as the professional that you are. Let's let's drill down just for a snitch, Julie, on this, sure. unless you do this in your notes. Uh, so with regards to a buyer agent presentation... We have taught, well, frankly, we've been using and teaching uh, agents to use buyer agent presentations for two decades. Yes. We started using it in our own real estate practice and our own team in the 90s uh, because, frankly, back then when buyer agent, when the whole ABR thing, accredited buyer agent thing uh, came around the bend and, you know, all these changes happened. That was a long time ago, guys. But the reality of it is, is that it was obvious to us that there would come a time when the buyer agent commission was no longer going to just be an entitlement to the uh, to the real estate transaction, a you know a cost that's uh, mostly uh, paid for by the seller. Well, you know, it took a while, a couple decades, three decades almost. Well, but it did feel the same if you recall back then, where people were freaking out, and you know, yeah, now yeah. we're going to have to talk about buyer side commissions, and now we're going to have to actually present and disclose and all of those things. Well, because what Julie's saying is, back in that era, there was a lot of belief that that was actually going to happen. Mm-hmm. So. So much so that they changed the rules with regards to mortgages. And by the way, they're going to probably do this again. Back in the, I think it was the 90s into the 2000s, those of you who are in the mortgage industry mm-hmm. will know better than me. Uh, there was a uh, carve out where you could actually finance your buyer agent commission. That's how much they believed that that was going to be removed as an entitlement to the, you know, the buyer basically and the buyer's agent. Mm-hmm. But here's the moral of the story is now the market is changing and you need to change with the market. That's the point of the buyer agent presentation. It makes sense that you would have in a competitive listing situation, a listing presentation explaining to that potential seller, all your USPs, your unique selling propositions. Well, guess what guys, you need to have the same thing on the buyer side as well. The old story was, you know, and this is, we wrote about this in our book, Harris Rules, is that the uh, working with buyers was mostly physical labor. You didn't have to have a lot of sales skills. You didn't have to have presentations. You really didn't have to ask them to sign anything beyond what was required by your state. And then if they found a house, then obviously that paperwork as well. There was no truly, for 99% of you, there was no real obligation from that seller or for that buyer to actually work with you. Unlike taking a listing where the seller is going to obligate themselves to list the house with you for the duration of the contract. The new reality is, is that buyer agent, um, buyer agents are going to have to operate in the same level of professionalism with the same similar skill set that frankly, they should have been all the way along, but also mostly similar to what uh, listing agents have been doing forever. Premier Coaching has within a complete buyer agent presentation. It is a, you can use it digitally. You can use it as a flip chart. But the point of it is, is the presentation is designed to explain to the buyer what it is that you do and why you're worth what you're you know, asking to be paid. And then the presentation sells them into the idea or sells them into the you know, understanding of the value that you bring. So if you're really worrying about how you're going to rationalize to the potential buyers what it is that you're doing to you know, essentially be worth what you're asking to be paid, well, then you need to get the buyer agent presentation. There's no two ways about it. You're, a lot of you are going to be stubborn. And you're going to think to yourselves, well, I'll just make my own. I'll just create my own. I'll just figure out something to do. I'll do how many buyers and how many commissions are you going to lose before you realize you should just basically follow the proven path and you know, use what's been proven to work in every market condition, in every price range, in every interest rate environment for the last few decades. Copy what works. And by the way, buyer agent presentation, like all of our content, is always being updated. It's not something that ever stays static. Exactly. Well put. Thank you for clarifying that. So how do you articulate your value? Well, to your point, Tim, you do it through the presentation, but what are some of the things that are included in that? How do you actually explain your value? Well, let's start with number one, 
actually knowing your client's needs and doing a real drill down. By using a buyer pre-qualification questionnaire, otherwise known as a script, you'll discover exactly what your buyers are looking for, what they qualify for, where they need to move geographically, what their other requirements are, and any other important criteria. The more you know, the better job you'll do finding them exactly what they're looking for. Now, some of our more experienced agents, and you and I certainly saw this, how many times have you met a buyer at an open house and you ask them, you know, I assume because you're going uh, to the open house, you're not already working with an agent. They'll say things like, well, I've, I've been working with an agent and they've shown me like 20 homes, but none of them are really what I'm looking for. So what causes that? Sometimes agents show only what they know because they haven't, you know, expanded. Um, sometimes they haven't done the drill down. They don't really know. It's not enough to know, well, they want a three bedroom, two bath. Well, well what turns that buyer on and how can you best find that? The it's a disconnect. It's the buyer's agent lack of skill, knowing how to actually help the buyer accomplish the goal that they're, you know, of, of buying a house, right? So yes. ultimately a lot of agents, especially those who choose to work with on the buyer side, because they, it's more of, again, it's more of a, a, a physical labor. It's more of a social thing than it is working on the seller side of things. So they don't actually know how to um, help buyers make decisions with regards to buying houses. Yes. And I'm here to tell you guys, you've never once sold a house to a buyer. <laughs> the buyer bought the house. So it's important you understand that, not because I'm minimizing the value you provide, but because you got to understand that ultimately you don't have to do anything that's going to make you uncomfortable to get someone to buy a house. They're going to buy the house. As soon as you introduce them to the house, they're going to want to buy it. But the key is, is you have to do it in such a way that they are psychologically able to allow themselves to make the decision to buy the house. And that all comes back down to skills and scripts. And so one of the, you know, there's lots of, my mind's filling with like the three, the three times out script, the floor model script, Julie's telling me not to give you any of our scripts because it'll take too long. But there are lots of things that you need to learn how to do when working with the buyers. That way you can give them permission to buy quickly. They don't need to see everything that's for sale in a hundred mile radius. And if you're doing that, you're making a mistake and they will fire you even though they're the ones that are insisting on seeing all of those houses because ultimately you didn't sell them a house. Well, and perhaps you just skipped this first step by really drilling down and asking questions using the buyer pre-qualification questionnaire and finding out what is the one house. Remember, every buyer is just going to buy one house. You don't have to show them everything. And besides, the better you know what they're after, the easier your search is. You know, a lot of agents have gotten accustomed to only showing what pops up because it happens to be available. The real power of the pre-qualification though is you're going to see, they won't, uh, if you have somebody that's not really serious, they're not going to go through all the questions. That's right. And then you'll know earlier and you won't waste their time or yours. It's like halfway through the script, Julie, I promise I will not do scripts, (laughs) but halfway through the script, one of the questions is, you know, after they give you the description of what they're looking for, after they've told you how long they're looking, after you've confirmed they're not working with anybody else, after you've asked about their financing, you said, this is one of the lines. This is not exactly what it is, but it's in the script. So Mr. Buyer, if I were to show you that at the house you're looking for, met all of your needs, there were, you know, essentially it was four bedrooms, two and a half baths. It was on a quarter acre lot. It was an, you know, Oakhurst subdivision. Everything, all the things are in this house. Let's not, you know, there's no such thing as the perfect house, but let's say it's nine out of 10. In other words, this is the house you've been looking for. Everybody in your family wants to buy this house. So on a scale of one to 10, Mr. Buyer, where would you rate your motivation to buy that house today if I showed it to you today? And you're going to ask them that question. And what they're often going to say a seven or eight, and you're going to say, okay, seven or eight, congratulations. What would it take to get you to a 10? Now you're asking that question because that's when you're going to find out all the other things 
that they have to essentially overcome before they buy a house. Well, I have to get a job. I have to sell my old house. I have to convince my spouse it's time to move. My kids have to graduate from school. It could be anything or many things, but you don't know. And again, this is about not wasting your time or theirs. And when you get to those questions, you're then going to you know, think, right, does it make, well, when interest rates drop down to 4%. Well, so just so that I'm clear, you're not going to purchase a house until interest rates drop down to 4% again. And then you might want to drill down a little bit more, find out, well, obviously they're more focused on payment. So do you have a, an ideal payment you're trying to accomplish? Well, then you're going to maybe explain to them that you can help them buy the interest rate down by working with a builder or working with mm -hmm. a, a, you know, a home seller that's willing to pay some points, those types of things. This comes with skill. Welcome to the new market. Yes, but you can't do that drill down, that deep dive, unless you started with those first questions, which led you to that drill down. So how else do you articulate your value? Number two, educate your clients regarding mortgage options. Again, a symptom of a changing market. You didn't used to have to do this. Again, uh, if they're not all cash, educate your clients regarding mortgage options. 30-year fix, 20% down. Standard issue mortgages are still right for some buyers, but in order to achieve better interest rates and payments, they may need a different mortgage product. You should know enough to competently discuss any and all of the following. And there's more than this, but this is the short list. Of course, the 30-year fixed, the 3-2-1 buy-down, the 2-1 buy-down, rate buy-downs using points, three, five, seven, and sometimes 10-year adjustable loans, assumptions, and seller financing. That's a lot. That's a lot more than you had to know when everybody's just doing a 30-year fix at 3%. You and I were studying, um, we well, listening to some podcasts, and we were listening to ones by, they were talking about the interest rates of these big national builders yes. because they're buying down the interest rates by mm -hmm. like three and four legitimate points, yes. not just basis points. I know. And sometimes you can get into this, like I think Pulte was running a deal mm -hmm. for 30 year fix at 5.3%. 5.3, 5 5.5. I know uh, Dell Webb and uh, KB Homes and Horton, you know, all the big guys are doing this. And so how are they doing that? They're basically doing what you said a few minutes ago. They're financing it in. They have more flexibility to do programs like that. So, But they're also building yeah. smaller houses on smaller lots with fewer flexibility. amenities. <laughs> That's how they're doing it. They're basically yeah. selling you less, uh, charging you whatever the market the same is. Or more. Exactly. <laughs> making their 20 or 30% margin and then using some of that money to buy the rates down. That's but right. your buyers might be perfectly fine with that. But you are going to see a lot of changes in the types of housing that people are going to just start, um, you know, the, the because of the nature of the interest rates. And because yeah. of the inflation that's affected housing, you're definitely going to see a lot of people starting to become a hell of a lot more accustomed to what would have been traditionally maybe a patio home. Well, you that's know? right. And you know, one of my clients, Jeannie in Phoenix, she sells in several neighborhoods. She's very prominent in several of those neighborhoods. And one of the sister neighborhoods to where she is, is an honest to God, um, 3D printed neighborhood. <laughs> they, I think they're round. Yeah. They're kind of like the entry level to getting into that more expensive neighborhood she sells in. So you're going to see more products. You're going to see the builders change what they're doing. I think it's pretty interesting. So let's stay on this point just for a second regarding, um, you know, educating your buyers on different mortgage things. Part of that is making sure your buyers understand the difference between being pre-qualified, pre-approved, and loan committed. Which are they currently? What steps must they take to achieve loan commitment? If you're confused, the difference between those three, that's a good reason to join Premier Coaching. There is a big difference, not only for you to understand, but for you to be able to explain. And loan officers, this would be good information for you to use when trying to get uh, explained to agents why they should be working with you. Yes. If you were to then explain to them that when you are you know, working with their prospective buyers, that you are actually getting loan commitment, 
you're not just basically giving them a waffly pre-approval where no you know credit's been checked and no verifications have been done. So if agents that are working with uh, lenders, you got to make sure your lenders are actually doing actual pre-approvals or actual you know loan commitments, and then lenders obviously work that from the other side. People are going to get a lot more choosy in who they work with in a market like this. Point number three. Absolutely. All right. Point number three: strategize for the win. Are your buyer clients also listing clients? Are they relocating? Are they in a situation where they can compete for a home if necessary? Should they buy first or sell first? Do they have realistic expectations? Are they looking in an area that actually has what they want? Should they consider new construction? So that's all about strategizing. The average buyer, even if they've done it two or three times, is not going to have the same strategies in mind as the experienced, confident, and competent real estate professional. Would you agree with this, Julie? No matter if you have new construction in your market, especially the big national builders, uh-huh. even if the buyers don't think the new construction is a fit for them, yes. on your first time showing them houses, you better show them all the new construction. Yeah. Well, I don't at least some new construction to see, you know, run it up the flagpole. I think if they are pretty committed, they want something older. You can add something new construction that might be really exciting for them, let me, especially so, after showing a bunch of old houses. So let me drill down on that because yeah. the reason is, is because you want to go there with the buyers. You want to register your buyers with the builder yeah. because what could happen is, for example, you could explain to the buyer and you should do this, you know, as a caring, competent real estate professional, you need to be, even if the buyers aren't aware what new construction could offer them, you need to expose them to new construction. Right. I want something that's five acres in the middle of nowhere where I can raise my llamas or wherever the hell it is. That's fine. But you're going to go show them new construction first because what happens is people fall in love with new <laughs> and what they yeah. really fall in love with is the 5.3% 30 year fixed rate interest rate. Okay. That's the reason you always need to show them new construction first. If it's available in your marketplace, they, because you don't want them to find that on their own. Well, that's what they do. They're going to meander about on the, you know, the Saturday that you aren't working with them and they're going to me- uh, walk into new construction they're going to go into contract on something. They're then going to text you or call you and say, hey, we found a house. And you're going to be going after you spent like three or four weeks with them. You're going to be, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, we bought from Poldy Homes or whatever. Yeah, well, it's an act of desperation in a low inventory market anyway. That's the reason that the builders have an enormous advantage right now and will for some time. Exactly. And we could, and I think we have done a whole podcast on that. Okay. <laughs> Many. Got to stay on task here. Point number four articulating your value to the buyer, actually find the home. This is one of the biggest challenges you guys have had for a long time. Inventory is scarce and will likely stay scarce for the immediate future, possibly even for most of your career. Next 10 years for sure. Which, you know, it could be most of your career. One of your most important value propositions is that you utilize, guess what? More than just Realtor.com, Homes.com, and Zillow. You know, the things that they can also do on their own. Online and offline resources are at your fingertips. Refer to our many podcasts regarding how to find inventory other than just using your MLS. We also are doing a podcast, I think it might be uh, coming up here, about how to better use your MLS with more creative searches that will net you more inventory to choose from. But actually finding the home and putting more effort into it than your buyer is, to your previous point about them going to new construction potentially, that's a big USP that you're going to do more than just what they can do on their own. The reason that home values are going up, despite the fact that interest rates have gone up and payments are higher is obviously inflation, right? Some macro things, but really it's because of demand. The number mm-hmm. of baby boomers, like the oldest baby or the oldest, uh, what are they? Millennials right now mm-hmm. are in their mid forties. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised when I read that the average time that someone buys a house is 36. Average age of a first time buyer is 36. Yeah. When you and I were That's younger. That's gone way up. Yeah. Way up. I mean, well, when you and prices I were. Prices have gone way up. For sure. But when you and I were, uh, you know, 
first you know, working our way through life. I think most people were buying house in the late twenties, not the late thirties. That's crazy. We had lots of friends that bought before they're 25. Yeah. We bought when we were 22, 22. and 23. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so in any event, that, what were we talking about? Oh, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> well, just, what were the, what was the point though? Uh, well, actually finding the home scarce inventory. Oh, I remember yeah. now. Sorry, right. listeners. <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> well, so you're going to have essentially the millennials that are going to be buying houses. You're going to have the baby boomers that are slow to sell houses. And so you're having the builders that aren't building enough houses. There is no reason to believe there's going to be an increase of any note in uh, like significant increase in inventory. Nope. And it's going to be this way for a long damn time. There's more millennials than there are baby boomers, which means the demand for homes is going to increase. So the oldest uh, millennials, if they're in their mid forties now, that means there's literally millions of them that are still going to be looking to purchase homes into the future. And there's not a lot of baby boomers that are selling uh, because right now they are fixed. Uh, they are enjoying these real low interest rates or they have their homes paid off, but yep. mostly it's because they have no place to go. Don't blame Julie nice generation, generation X. No, we're irrelevant. We're Nobody irrelevant. cares about us. Yeah, exactly. Those of you guys <laughs> are not enough of us. Right. We're not the ones causing the nope. problems. It's the millennials and the boomers. Anyway, That's right. Next it's not point. our fault. All right. Point number five, advise your buyer clients based on your actual market knowledge. What do you know about the subject property, the neighborhood, the homeowners association, the trends in the area, the average days on the market, the list to sell price ratio, and anything else pertinent that could affect their offer and what to expect? So your average buyer is not necessarily going to say, hmm, the house I'm looking at has been on the market for 120 days. Maybe I could come in a little bit under list. Maybe I could get some seller's concessions. But Maybe you, they're going to say, well, I, I better be willing to go over a list and, uh, you know, close the appraisal gap. But you also want to know why it's been on the market. Maybe it's been in contract yep. and the buyer's financing fell through. Maybe it's been for sale, but the buyer had, or the seller had to, you know, wasn't able to show the home. You don't know. You have to make sure you're asking the listing agent what the story is. That's where your expertise comes in, right? Okay. And that's not something that a buyer would do on their own typically. And an inexperienced buyer's agent is going to look at days on the market in the MLS and just go, let's go lowball. It's been for sale for 40 days. Exactly. Exactly. Oh no, the world is ending. Yes. Okay. Number six, articulating your value to your buyers. Uh, write an offer that will win the home that they want. Understand what the seller is desiring Just uh, that's beyond just price. And how do you find that out, Julie? You call, you find the listing agent and listing agents listening please call those buyer's agents back or but, put or put the information in the agent-to-agent agent comments. Yep. Don't play mean. Don't hide out from them, okay? The market is changing. You can't act like that anymore. Even if you're expecting multiple offers, you don't know which of those agents you're going to have to do a deal with in the future. Help them out. And by helping out those buyer's agent, by an- answering the question, you're also helping your sellers. Well, you're doing yourself, actually, it, you know, we want to look at this from a time-saving perspective. In the agent-to-agent comments that the consumer doesn't see, put in there what the seller is feeling was comfortable uh, with you sharing to the co-op as far as what they are looking for. If they want a, you know, listing agents, if they want an extended uh, occupancy after closing, if they want to keep the pear tree in the backyard, if they have the pet cemetery that they need to move, whatever the hell it is. All things we dealt with. Put Put, you know, the, the hot tub and the pool are included, of but yeah, yeah, whatever, but make sure that you're, uh, putting that in the agent to agent comments that way that you will not have to receive the phone calls because, uh, if someone, if an agent calls you and you, you know, you're getting, you got a great new listing 
and the agents, a lot of buyers agents are calling asking about the great new listing. In your voicemail, you can actually say, please read the agent to agent comments for all the particulars on essentially how to win this particular house. On one, two, three Elm Street. Exactly. So make, you know, guys, think through it here. Save yourself some time. And the buyer's agents ultimately, you know, the listing agents hide out from you guys because they don't want to necessarily have to answer questions that are available in the MLS. So make sure you're searching the MLS. It's all about working together. Okay. So staying on point number six, write an offer that will win. Also, in addition to what you just said, have the best, most detailed lender's letter or proof of funds so your offer won't be tabled just because that's vague or boilerplate looking. Make your offer the obvious front runner based on facts, not just conjecture, and not just on how you've done your past five deals over the past six months, okay? You've got to base it on the subject property, what the seller wants, what your buyer's needs are, and market conditions. All right, point number seven, once you've won, you'll need to help them through contingencies, inspections, the appraisal process, and of course, the final walkthrough. With a changing market, inspections are now becoming a secondary point of negotiation. Done a podcast on that. This can be a key value that you provide to your buyer clients. Managing the transaction between pending and closing can actually be the most challenging part of the process but be the reason that they make it to the closing table. Now, this is Julie's point seven there. It was only, what, four sentences, but the reality of it is this is where a lot of you are going to lose because you do not know how to negotiate when it comes to home inspections and all these other nuances that weren't really required in a hot seller's market. Only really, I think, maybe in the last 18 months have they really become relevant again. You're going to have to learn how to deal with, say, for example, you got a you know a ratty home inspection or you got a ratty home inspector. That happens, right? <laughs> or both. Or both. Ratty home inspector giving you a ratty home inspection. Yeah. And they, you know, are full of drama. And, you know, maybe it's an inexperienced home inspector, which most of them are because there weren't a lot of home inspections happening during the last 15 years because you had to take the house as is. That was, did we call that a home inspector recession? Yeah, I never exactly. thought about that. That's interesting. They well, probably but, haven't done it. So you're having a lot of home inspectors that are, you know, if the buyer insists on showing up to the home inspection and they're paying that, you know, home inspector a thousand bucks or whatever, that an inexperienced home inspector is going to be, you know, filling every damn thing. Oh, look at the nail pop on the roof. Good Lord. Must need replaced. Needs a roof, right? <laughs> Stuff like that. So you're going to have to know all of the little things ahead of time. So choose your home inspector wisely. Choose your you know lenders wisely. Choose all of your title, escrow, everything wisely. So people do not freak out the you know your clients and you don't lose the deal. We talk about this endlessly in Premier Coaching, and we've done quite a few past podcasts. Remember, Premier Coaching is coaching the podcast. And we do our best, but they're still just training because we only have you guys for 30 minutes. Next point, Julie Harris. Is number eight, communication. Every time there's a survey that goes out to recently closed real estate clients, their number one complaint is always the same. It's not the commission, it's communication. Always be one step ahead of your clients. They need to know what's happening now and what's happening next. Lack of information creates enormous stress in a real estate transaction. You've got to be the leader in your transaction. So communication. I always challenge coaching clients, try to over-communicate. Good luck with that. I want to get a complaint that some one of our coaching clients overdid it. That would be awesome. All right, number nine, the closing itself. Final removal of financing and inspection contingencies, the pre-closing walkthrough, and review of the closing documents. Answer their questions and make sure everyone is comfortable prior to signing. Now, I'm going to give you guys some advanced coaching here. If you're in a place where there's roundtable closings, and there are still places in the country that do that, where everybody, and those of you guys who don't do it this way, you'll laugh when I say this if you're hearing it for the first time. It'll cause them stress just to hear it. (laughs) Well, it causes me (laughs) stress to remember it. I know. Everybody, the buyers, the sellers, the lenders, 
the buyer's agent, the seller's listing agent, the title people all sit around a table in a big, usually uncomfortable conference room. Um, and then they sign all the documents. So yes, the seller is there when the buyer is signing all their loan docs. The whole thing is just ridiculous. Sometimes if, it's the first time they've seen each other. Yeah, exactly. It's weird. But if there was any sort of nastiness that happened mm-hmm. during the process, maybe agent drama uh, crept in, then you can feel the stress in the room. All of that is totally and completely unnecessary. And the other thing is the other agent shows up and they're grandstanding. The other, let's say, for example, you know, you're the buyer's agent and the listing agent shows up and gives the freaking seller like, a, you know, a donkey and a unicorn and a bag of, I don't know what the hell, you guys get the point? A gift basket. They walk in like they're Ed McMahon with a, you know, a $10 million check and you're sitting there, basically, you, you know, bought your buyers uh, some coffee or something, right? right. <laughs> I mean, so yeah, that's the other thing. A lot of agents will show up in grandstand and make you look like, look like a heel. They'll spend all of their profit on some sort of closing gift, which is ridiculous, so do yourself a favor. Don't do roundtable closings. You can actually, when you start doing enough transactions, and listen to what I'm saying, the title company will send a closing officer to the buyer or the seller's house or their place of work to do their end of the closing. That's right. They will uh, make, or they, the uh, you know, the buyer or the seller can go to the title company or your office and they can just do their end of the closing. A split closing. Exactly. Well. Julie and I used to do that. When we were selling, you know, hundreds of houses, we never wanted to do roundtable closings because of all the reasons we, you know, the only time we had to go to roundtable closings is when they were um, not our, tra- they weren't our listings. That's right. And, you know, but you we, can take a lot of measures for But that. we did try, even on the buyer side, in most markets, the seller chooses the title company, but we always tried to write it into our buyer. And we had seven buyer's agents. We always tried to get them to write in that they're going to use our title company because we knew our title company would do split closings. And you get a lot of time back. You don't have to do the whole pomp and circumstance, the whole drama. All of that is gone. So just keep this in mind. If you want to remove a lot of the, I think, the pretension and the contention from a real estate transaction, you know, remove the people that cause it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, there are some markets, and if you recall, when we closed on our house in Puerto Rico, we did it this way. There are some markets that will do it digitally, so that might be an option. But I do think, I, I agree with you completely that you should avoid the roundtable closing. First of all, it takes forever. Second of all, it can be a point of contention. They can you know, create drama, whether that's agent to agent or buyer to seller and agents. But I do think that there's value, if you're doing it in person, to go with your buyer or seller client with them to that side of their closing. It only takes a half an hour. It's kind of a bonding thing. And that leads us to point number 10. But when you're there, don't yeah. say anything. Let the title, uh, the, let them do their job. Let the attorney or the title agent do their job. Don't say anything. You're, you're there d- to be congratulatory, shake their hand, get a good picture, have smiles all around, put it on your social media. They'll put it on theirs, make it a happy thing. So number 10, post-closing follow-up. From a closing present to handling any questions about appliances or equipment, you've got to be the go-to person. Don't disappear after closing. Instead, close the file, not the relationship. Fold them into your database and make them into your sphere of influence. This is how repeat and referral business happens. So all 10 points that we've done today are things that professional experienced agents practice already. Many of our coaching clients have been polishing this transaction by transaction. These are the same agents who have no fear of any changes resulting from commission lawsuits or any other ongoing you know, buyer side or seller side uh, transparency things or disclosures. Make sure you join their ranks by following the best practices every time. And for help in turning these points into your scripted presentation, of course, all you have to do is sign up for Premier Coaching. That's right. And guys, again, the notes from today's show, Julie, I cannot believe we got all those 10 points in in exactly 30 minutes, 37 seconds. Um, so we, by the way, if you guys ever meet us in real life 
and we sit down and have a conversation with you. After about 30 minutes, Julie and I will have like nothing. We will have like nothing to say. We can't have <laughs> protracted conversations that last more than 30 minutes. Between podcasts that are 30 minutes and, and coaching, coaching calls. calls. Exactly. I, I know. I, I, I play this game with myself guessing what time it is. And I'm usually within like three minutes. I know. I don't know if that's a good thing I, or a bad know. thing. I yeah. think it's neuroses. Well, so listen, guys, thank you for keeping this the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States. Literally millions of you download and listen to us every single year. It is our pleasure and it is our utmost honor to be your online real estate coaches. Now, for many of you, the next natural step is to join Premier Coaching, but we would certainly appreciate it if you give us a five-star review on iTunes and then let the world know in comments on when you're giving the five-star review why you like the podcast. We know... Literally tens of thousands of you listen on a regular basis and use this podcast as your real estate coaching, as your training. We've had many of you tell us that over the years. I listened to you guys for years before I joined you in, uh, as a coaching client or before I joined with you guys at DXP Realty. And I appreciate that. But here's a little word to the wise. Markets changed. You need to get your game on. You need to take it to the next level. So you know what to do. Join Premier Coaching. Do that urgently. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.